Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tasting Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. All right, sorry. Are you still? I I just made a weird noise. We're recording. Everything's cool. All right. (laughs) We finally have Berg, and and then no one else can make it. I don't know where Vicar is. Uh, I don't know. Aren't you, like, supposed to keep track of him or something? I know. But this is clerical (laughs) errors. What what can you do? It's true. This is like retro errors. We're back to the beginning, man. He heard that 20 was uh, was placed, and maybe he's sulking now. <laughs> uh, sitting by the waters of Babylon, you know. <laughs> so how you been? Good? Good, good. Can't complain. So busy, but, uh, you know, now my, uh, my family is uh, visiting other family, so I've got, I've got time. So. All right. You know what that means? We means we got to record tomorrow night then. <laughs> hey, we could do. Well, I have something going on, but we probably could. We could make it work. Because because I because I have a vacation coming up, and this is actually for not this upcoming Sunday, but the following. So we're one ahead, and hopefully, if we can record another, we'll two ahead. So I don't have to record the Saturday I get back from vacation. There you go, living the dream. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna ch- check on the OG Bullhagen, see how he's doing. Nice. <laughs> So you got any beverages over there? Yeah, I am drinking uh, an Isla, uh, Kirkland Signature Isla Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, and uh, it's pretty tasty, pretty awesome. So, oh, from Costco? So you're a Costco guy now? Uh, well, yeah, we have been since we've been here, and now we're moving to a place where the nearest Costco is like five hours away, so, uh, <laughs> you know. I, I've just gotten into Costco like this past year, because there's one in Ankeny. Nice. And so uh, I, I tell you what, man, uh, remote is relative because uh, in Iowa, we were right next to the interstate. No big deal. Right. <laughs> and here we're we are. Yeah, we are far from everything. Oh, for the people who don't know, I took a call to uh, Lander, Wyoming. So. Um, so tell us, tell us about Lander. Now, now, have you have you spoken to uh, 15.0? I haven't, actually. I need to get a hold of him. He's actually going to be in my circuit. Wow. Full I, circle. I know, right? Exactly. I'll be the interloper. <laughs> so so, the, so Western, yeah. the Western studio will be... You know, this has, this yeah. has, some, uh, potential? This has some potential, yeah. See, you just need to move out here, and then it'll be complete. Yes, this, I've already started taking over Iowa, though. Am I supposed to do it to Wyoming too? It's kind of kind of already am, right? It's true, you know. So you play that one like you think, you know. <laughs> and I don't have anything because I, I I just uh, uh, was uh, the confirmation kids were taking their tests and uh, just got in here in time. Sounds like you need something after that. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Uh, Seslavai, as they say. <laughs> so, so you wanted uh, to talk about uh, something kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, so what Sunday are we on? We're on Cantate. Is that what we're recording for? We are. Um, this will be for 
Because next Sunday is Jubilate, right? And you've recorded for that one, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're recording for Cantate, right? Yes. John 16. Well, while I type this in, do you want to give a, uh, an overview of the texts then? Sure. Um, just for the Sunday, just kind of give uh, um, an, AD, H, an ADHD Bible study quick. <laughs> All right. So the gospel reading uh, is John 16. And uh, the listener will note that uh, um, this part of the lectionary uses a lot of John in this area, right? Um, the Sunday yep. before was uh, the, the great uh, ma- magic trick. Now you see me, now you don't. Ah. <laughs> right? Nice. I like and it. And then you'll see me again. Whew. David right? Copperfield and the and the Statue of Liberty. I'm probably the only one who knows that reference, but... Uh, I, I know what you're talking about. I'm putting. I'm picking up what you're putting All right. down. And so here uh, in John 16, um, Jesus continues about where he's going, because uh, if you're going to talk about uh, you will not see me and you'll see me, and he's talking here, where are you going? And uh, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you, and when he comes... You will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will no lo- see me no longer, concerning judgment because I, the ruler of this world, is judged. I will say many things, but that you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. For he will uh, take what is mine and declare it to you. All the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Okay. So So basically, the work of the Holy Spirit, right? This is what the Spirit does. Right. And and you notice how it isn't uh, the Holy Spirit will come and, and fill you with a great joy and an ecstatic feeling. Right. Which is normally how a lot of people view it. Can you right. feel the spirit, Berg? Have you ever felt the spirit, Berg? Um, I think it was just indigestion. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah. So th- this passage clearly shows one: the spirit is the tr- is the one who holds us and keeps us in the truth. Uh, the way we would say that in the catechism is he is the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies us in the one true faith. And so when mm-hmm. we talk about the Holy Spirit here, we have from Jesus' own words of what the Spirit does. It also uh, teaches us the authority of the Word of God because uh, he is bringing into their remembrance uh, the disciples of all that he taught so that when they speak and when they write and when they do their work, they do things that we can trust according to Jesus' own words. And so when we talk about uh, being an apostolic church, uh, we're not necessarily talking about our apostolic succession, are we, Berg? Or are we talking about the uh, the succession of their words and teachings that they receive from Christ? That's the only apostolic succession that I buy. So <laughs> I don't believe in spirit fingers. Right? Because, I mean, isn't that what they claim for apostolic succession? If you yes. just smack somebody hard enough, you know? <laughs> oh, and thank you, Berg. We already have a title for the show, Spirit Fingers. 
<laughs> I do what I can. So, so man, you know, it's good to have you here. I know it's great, isn't it? I and mean, I can tell this is awesome. You don't smile like this every day. I don't. I don't hardly <laughs> smile at all. <laughs> so, um, and this is also a good uh, as we get closer to ascension. In a way, it teaches the the importance of ascension. Because uh, Jesus, I have to go, but I will send the Holy Spirit. Meaning, the words of Christ and His authority is not just then found in the the exact location where the man Jesus could be found, where crowds had trouble getting to Him. But wherever they go, wherever the word is going, uh, the Holy Spirit brings Christ uh, to them, so that to the ends of the earth, uh, the work of Christ is being done. Right. Good. No, and our listeners have heard this text now how many times? Well. I mean, on on this podcast. I think this is a fifth time. (laughs) Right. And so, you know me, I'm kind of a rebel and, you know, innovator, right? So uh, I wanted to add to this a little bit because, uh, you know, one of the big, what do you want to say, critiques against the one-year lectionary is, well, it doesn't have a lot of Bible in it. But uh, our friends at the Luther, Lutheran Missile Project have been doing some great work digging up uh, readings and all of this kind of stuff. And uh, I really encourage everyone to go over to their Facebook page, like it. You can find out some really interesting stuff about uh, Septuagesima and how the Lutheran Church has celebrated like Good Friday and Monday Thursday. And it kind of clears up a lot of things because they look at the historical record. And kind of see, okay, what was everybody doing? And it's really interesting. Uh, But one thing that they've done is they have actually started uh, field testing their missile project. And uh, lo and behold, there are daily readings for the missile project. They have uh, readings for church on Wednesdays and on Fridays, which is fantastic. So I thought today we could actually read one of those readings. Uh, We could read uh, the... um, Gospel of John uh, reading for Wednesday, the Wednesday of the fourth Sunday after Easter. And we could see and talk about uh, how this reading actually reinforces, supports, and uh, So this is, this is for the Wednesday before the reading we just did? Or no, the Wednesday after. The Wednesday after. Yep. And so this way we could see how these things kind of go together, why this reading was chosen, uh, and how it fits together with our reading from Sunday that we just talked about. So uh, that reading that we're going to hear is John 17, 11 through 26. And uh, I'll, I'll uh, read that for you, okay? Okay. Jesus said, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. 
They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared them to them your name, and will declare it, that the love which you loved with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. So this is the text for the Wednesday after the Sunday we're talking about. And it's really quite an amazing thing. Um, and how connected and reinforcing of Sunday's text, mm-hmm. didn't you think? Yeah, because right? it, it, oh, uh, it uh, talks about, obviously, unity, right? And uh, how uh, there's unity in the person of God, right? The, the Trinity, the divine essence. He, as he talks about the unity that he and the Father has, and also the unity that he desires for the church. And it's interesting when you look at this text, as I was listening, I had about five different sermons running into my head as you were nice. going. Uh, and uh, one of them was, you know, you have a lot of people who talk, well, this is, Jesus wouldn't want this for the church, or Jesus wouldn't want that for the church, without actually realizing that... It, he actually prayed for the church, and we have it written down what he desires for the church. Isn't that interesting? Right. How often do people say, well, this is what our Lord wants for the church, and they never mention anything like this. It's always, um, in a way, making a God in their own image, making God say things that they want for the church that they think God probably would want too. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I do. And so here you have... Uh, Jesus talking about being in the world, but not of the world, of uh, of the work of the church and how tedious it could be when you are in the world, but not of the world. And uh, also the fact that um, when you look at unity, one of the biggest uh, gripes that people will have against confessional Lutheranism is uh, that we are schismatic, that we cut ourselves off, that we have things like closed communion and, and altar and pulpit fellowship. And, and they say, well, you guys aren't for unity, they think. But if you look right. at what J- Jesus says here, uh, how does he describe unity in the truth? He doesn't want a fake unity. You know, the Father and the Son don't just sit around agreeing to disagree. <laughs> right. That's the kind of unity he wants, and that's the kind of unity every Christian should desire. Not that, oh, that we, you know, kind of are nice to each other and agree to disagree, but actual true unity in the Word of God that he has given us and the Holy Spirit. And it's not a unity that we can make. Uh, 
it's a unity only God's word can do. And he unites us into one eternal church um, in ways that we can't. And so, so this speaks, I think, strongly to holding a clear confession while desiring unity, not false unity that a lot of people want us to have, but unity in the, in the truth. So that was a couple right. of ser- sermons I had in my mind while you were, were going through that. Well, and it's interesting too, right? Talking about unity, this really reinforces then what the reading James 1 uh, verses 17 to 21 brings out, right? Where the apostle there says, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God, right? And here this also has to do with church unity because not hearing, being quick to speak and quick to wrath actually destroys that unity, right? Right. Which I thought was really neat. Uh, another thing is is that uh, gospel text says, um, uh, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Right. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, unfortunately, take that to mean, well, you know, we need progressive revelations and the Holy Spirit will tell us, you know, stuff in visions and everything like that. But this text really bases where is the Holy Spirit? Right. The sanctifying spirit, the Holy Spirit, is where uh, Jesus says it is. And where does he say it is? Make them holy by your truth. Your word your is word truth. is truth. Right? The Holy Spirit is uh, cannot be torn away from the Word, right? He's bound himself to the Word. And that is how we know uh, that we are sanctified by truth, that we are brought into all truth, not because we have visions or, you know, speak in tongues or do any other gobbledygook. Right? Even, even when Jesus was in the, 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 the text previous— when he, he tells his disciples, I'm going to bring into remembrance all that I have told you, meaning that 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 uh, what the Holy Spirit is going to lead them to remember is to, what Matthew would say, keep all that I have commanded you. Not really anything new. Right. It's to bring into remembrance what they have already heard. Right. Which is which and, is something that uh, the Roman Church got off track because it wasn't about the word; it was about the authority that the apostle, the disciples, apostle received that they could receive, you know, right. in a different and way this, outside of the word. And so, yeah, I mean, there's so many great things here that we can bring out, right? That uh, really reinforce the text for Sunday, and uh, hopefully, you know more people will use these texts, hopefully during the week, you know, when this uh, Lutheran Missile Project is published. So that way they can continue to deepen their understanding of Sunday's texts by using texts like this, you know? Is is there a way that people can get a hold of that stuff, or they have to wait for it to... Um, there are different blog posts being posted on their Facebook page, I know. Um, a couple of us have received um, their... Uh, but what is it called? Their field testing edition. So we can try to field test this in our own congregations and the like. And I signed up even though I knew I wouldn't be able to do very much of it because, you know, I uh, am a teacher in the school. But, you know, I figured we should bring it up here and really, uh, you know, give people maybe a deeper understanding of the one-year lectionary by also looking at some of these other texts. So And, and even even if it's not used at a, right away in a, in a large way in the congregation itself. Uh, 
you know, speaking to our brother pastors, what a, a great way to get yourself to understand the flow of the text that you are preaching on that Sunday already. Right. Absolutely. If pastors can start using this in their homes, uh, if pious laymen can also get a hold of it as well. I mean, I tell you what, I the book, Scripture interprets Scripture, you know, and uh, I'm glad we've been doing this for five years. Hopefully people have uh, learned something, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's also good, too, to engage these other things, right? These texts on Sunday should not only be meditated on, you know, five minutes before you hear the sermon, but it should be a weekly endeavor that all of these texts are running through your mind and, you know, joining together in very, very wonderful and godly ways. And hopefully people will think about it more, you know? And, and you know, when you think about, uh, you know, the podcast that you mentioned, uh, I like how it, it looks at these texts texts and these ways. It doesn't always have to be so, like, serious. You can, you know, enjoy the text, too, and talk about them. I mean, I think, don't you think that is one thing that's missing in a lot of places of just having a discussion on the text? I think a lot of people... And a lot of Lutherans are afraid of the Bible. They're afraid of getting it wrong. They're afraid of misinterpreting it. Um, and I think that that really is a problem, you know? Um, the Bible definitely should not be approached as, uh, well, what does this mean to you? At the same time, what else do we have? What else is our weapon but the Bible? Then that's why the you have the catechism. You, you know, if you're wondering, am I interpreting this passage wrong? Well, is it violating your interpretation of kind of violating what, violating what you have learned in the catechism, which is uh, an exposition on what Scripture actually says? Well, you know, this actually kind of brings up an interesting point. I am, uh, I'm kind of in an obsessive mood, so uh, I work frantically for like two weeks and then, you know— I leave, I leave my projects unfinished, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I am actually, I'm thinking of calling it an anti-homiletics. Okay. Because, because it's the opposite of a homiletics, you know, homiletics is really, you know, they, you've got all these preaching classes that show up on the internet and they're like, oh, come learn from this guy about how to preach or from this guy how to preach. And that's good, right? Mm -hmm. Because Johnny can't preach. <laughs> I mean, it it's it's true, right? I mean, we need to improve we need to improve our preaching. the The flip side of that, though, is is I think sometimes all of the onus of people getting stuff out of the sermon, then it all just simply depends on the pastor, and that's not true, right? Yeah, there is an onus on the listener to listen, right? To concentrate to pay attention. And I think sometimes that stuff gets lost, you know? Right. And when, so when, when someone says, says I, when someone says I didn't get anything out of the sermon, they're actually really realizing or not, they're making a confession. <laughs> right. And it's like, well, you know, uh, maybe grandma Schmidt can't listen. Right. If Johnny can't preach, then maybe grandma Schmidt can't listen, you know? And I think there are a lot of reasons about that. And that's actually something I've been working on. Um, 
I want to work on an anti-homiletics, the opposite of homiletics, right? If homiletics teaches a guy how to preach a sermon, maybe an anti-homiletics teaches the listeners how to listen. And maybe we need a little more of that, you know? Oh, oh! how many times did Jesus say, let he who has ears, let him hear? <laughs> he says, are you being a good listener? <laughs> right. And, you know, in those contexts, Jesus is talking about spiritual ears, right? Mm-hmm. Which are given by the Holy Spirit, right? And I think we have to make that distinction that, you know, there are things that are above us, right? We mm-hmm. can't create faith. These things are given to us by God. However, there are things in our control, right? Even a pagan can show up to church physically. He can choose to drive to a church, right? Mm -hmm. A pagan can choose to physically sit in the pew and listen to the sermon, right? Right. And it's the same way with us, right? Perhaps... You know, these things that we are struggling with, things like self-control, are actually more environmental and actually a loss or a lack of self-control. Okay? Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, what else is distraction but a loss of self-control, right? Yeah. And I, I would say, too, on, on when you talk about the both homiletics and anti-homiletics, as, as you would say, don't you think at the heart of both issues is pride? And w- w- let me let me say why I say that is, is is pride is what keeps us from hearing God's word or it preached by someone in a way that they can hear it. It's uh, it's this is why pastors are are generally horrible listeners of sermons. <laughs> <laughs> Because we're we're thinking, okay, well, I would have said this, or I would have said this, or, or uh, we don't always take even the words to heart. But, but when what pride does is it is uh, when you talk about things like correction and reproof, um, it it doesn't hear it for their own sake, actively seeking to use that as a mirror. How have I sinned, or or how have I my love for God and others failed? Uh, pride will say, "How has my the love of my neighbor failed?" Um, and there's a lack of uh, there's a comfortability in pride of keeping all of those things at an arm's length, so you don't actually have to wrestle with it yourself or deal with it. And pride says, "I've kind of got this shtick figured out. I don't really have anything to glean that I really need to hear out of the sermon, but rather uh, just make me feel good." You know, I think there is some of that. I really do. But, and I think especially for pastors as listeners to sermons, I think that is a real issue. And, 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 but, and, and if, I, if I can finish the other side of that pride pride of the pastors of, of thinking, you know, um, I can never grow in my sermons. I've already got that figured out, too without actually having a kind of a thirst of always seeking to improve and get better and to take advice about preaching from others who hear it from brother pastors. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think there is that, right? There is pride. Honestly, I think our problem is a lot more sad than that though. I think 
preachers usually suck because they have never been taught to be organized in their own minds. Hmm. That's, you know, and so their sermons are not coherent. There's no mental matrix. There's no way of organizing data and presenting it in a coherent way. Um, and I think the same is true of the listener, right? It's kind of imagine this, right? Imagine our mind is like a house, right? That's always continually being built. Like the Winchester Mystery House. Have you heard about this? No. So Sarah Winchester, who is the widow of the, uh, you know, the gun maker, right? Mm -hmm. She built on her house for years until the day that she died. And I think at the end of the day, her house had, I mean, let's see here. Uh, I'm just looking it up now. Um, her house had uh, 160 rooms, 2,000 doors, 10,000 windows, 47 stairways, 47 fireplaces, 13 bathrooms, and six kitchens. Okay? And in a way, our minds are like this Winchester mansion, right? Mm -hmm. They're always growing. They're always expanding, right? Because you have to have a place to put new information, right? Right. And, and usually what you'll do with new information is you'll make it general. This is why... Uh, children who are learning language will actually learn uh, uh, middle categories before they will learn uh, specific or very general categories. Mm -hmm. For example, um, oh, where is it? Uh, so he learns tree before oak, and they learn dog before animal, right? Mm -hmm. And so our brains are really, not our brains, our minds, because our minds are different than our brains, right? Uh, our minds are mental matrices that are interdependent with our brains and with reason, right? And so as we grow up, we actually begin to put things in these different rooms, right? Mm -hmm. Stick with our illustration. And concentration is like electricity. But being, you know, ADHD like you are, right? right. You only know that there's so much electricity, right? No, the problem is we have too much. It's like uh, it, it, our information comes in thunderbolts. Well, yours is like uh, you turn on the lights really bright in one room for like two seconds, and then you turn it on in another part of the house, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what happens, right? Our awareness, our concentration is like that limited amount of electricity, right? And we can only concentrate, 98% of our people can only concentrate on one thing at one time, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like you have this giant house and you can only light one room at a time, right? Mm -hmm. And so every time we get distracted, what happens? You turn on the light in another room, right? Or, or, or what, what I, the way I would say this is most people who had a house like that, they, they would keep on building and they have all this other stuff. But in the end, at the end of the day, they basically use the bathroom, the kitchen, the bedroom and where the TV's at. It's true, right? And so, I mean, so, you know, in other words, uh, uh, we, we find our comfortable spot and, and then we don't actually seek to use the rest of the house that you might have. Well, and this is especially true when it comes to sermons, right? Mm -hmm. We all have sermon rooms 
in our house. And this is where we can actually put new information, right? We can actually decorate these rooms or uh, put bidets or uh, ottomans in this room, whatever you, you know, whatever sort of illustrations you want to use, right? The problem is, is you got to stay in that room long enough to actually decorate it, right? Yeah. And that's the thing. And that's where self-control comes in. Can you keep the light on long enough to decorate that room before something else distracts you, right? Mm-hmm. And, and from the preaching side, I guess, uh, boy, we're, we're just getting, this is awesome. Uh, um, from my point of view, one thing that, that is part of that, too, is, is remember we did the, the series way back when on uh, Luther's uh, three aspects of preaching, uh, uh, meditatio, um, now I'm blanking out of them. Yeah, yeah, oratio, meditatio, tentatio. Right, and how, um, how Luther even in that taught that the that a good preacher really himself wrestles with the text, that his own suffering and his own uh, taking the text to heart is what really helps him preach it. Yeah, I uh, I wrote about that here too because I've. I've written like almost 4,000 words on this already. So uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I've been thinking about this because I've got nothing else to think about. So, <laughs> um, because, you know, because, you know, sometimes if a pastor is not going through that process, he's just guessing what the human, what a human mind and a human soul or thinks about he punts, it. he punts and he thinks he writes the same sermon. Right? Right. I mean, that's the thing is, uh, you know, a lot of sermons in the LCMS could have been written by the AI. Right? (laughs) Right. Because unfortunately, they're all generic, prosaic, uh, so abstracted discourses on God's word that they could fit any text. And this is one thing about, you know, sermons being textual, right? They actually engage the text. The text becomes a part of the preacher. It's something that he eats, like Ezekiel eating the scroll, right? Mm-hmm. It becomes a part of you, and then you preach it. And if it becomes a part of you, then you use its language, and you use uh, its concepts, and you preach what the text actually says. And, and, uh, and uh, truth be told, you know, People think that uh, pastors and the and the people in the congregation are are very different, but we're so not. I mean, when I am go through that and I, I think about a text and and how I'm going to preach and I go through its application to myself, you know, really maybe some some tweaks here and there for the listener, but by and large, they're going through many of the the same things that I'm going through. Right. There's no sin. Uh, that you're going through that isn't common to man, right? And that's the thing is, you know your own, you know your own heart, and that's a good thing. And, and it, for me, what it does is then it, it forces me to to deal with the uncomfortable parts of the text, and uh, knowing that other people will have that same uncomfortable parts of the text, and not avoiding yeah. it, they're glossing it over. When I was first a pastor, you know, I would gloss over a lot of that stuff because I wasn't 
didn't feel ready to to hit those things. Now I actually I seek those things out. <laughs> well, and this also goes with our uh, gospel reading that's coming up, right? Mm-hmm. The work of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I think we forget that the Holy Spirit is a person, yeah. and persons act, right? The Holy mm-hmm. Spirit acts, and there are going to be particular sermons that strike a chord with somebody. And there are going to be other sermons that leave you feeling kind of cold. Nevertheless, the Holy Spirit works where and when he will, right? This isn't uh, hocus pocus, right? Right. And I think that's, you know, so even if that sermon didn't necessarily uh, trip your trigger, maybe it did for somebody else. Maybe that was what they needed to hear. Right. Right. And so just because you don't, uh, necessarily, I don't know, relate as much to the sermon as you would like, well, stop being selfish. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, right? Like right. it's, uh, I, I mean, honestly, this could be the means by which the Holy Spirit, uh, turns somebody else's life around. But you might think that it was, uh, well, that wasn't that great. Well, Maybe for you it wasn't, but that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit doesn't use it in the way that he wants to use it. So. I'll, I'll give an example of of um, of that. A couple of weeks ago, uh, maybe three weeks ago now, if, if there's a listener who, who was at that service, they may not realize it, they may not, I don't know. Um, but uh, I wrote a sermon in mind, particularly. Um, I wrote it the odd chance that someone was in church for the very first time. Okay. Where, uh, where I took the text and I use it. Okay. Let's say someone doesn't know who Jesus is or what he does or anything like the season member would know. Right. And, and just use a text to preach a, a sermon in that way. Like I am preaching to someone who's hearing for the very first time. And, um, and I don't think anybody probably even noticed that except for me. And I mentioned it to Vicar, you know, yep. and, uh, you know, it's not a sermon that I would say broke new ground for anybody really, but at the same point, you know, I heard some, some good comments about that sermon. Like I've never thought about it that way. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, it, it is amazing. It's amazing how we get in our ruts, you know, and and I would this suggest that I would actually suggest to the pastors listening to try that sometime. Like, make it a point, even if it's just quarterly. You know, I'm going to write a sermon today as though, for this Sunday as though someone is hearing the gospel for the first time. And and right, you you might be the only one who actually notices that because because uh, but uh, you you might preach it a little differently. And you actually might strike a chord in that with your members who, who uh, just need to hear that simplicity once in a while. Dude, I tell you what, there is so much that we pastors assume. Right. We shouldn't assume. We shouldn't assume it. Right. We assume people know things and they don't and they suffer. Right. And this is where... Honestly, I wish we could just take our people through a basic, you know, Bible history and catechism class. Right. 
and just reinforce it and reinforce it and just say, hey, look, rather than watching Netflix for two hours, how about you listen to this for 15 minutes? I mean, can you imagine what that would do for our members? Yeah. Can you imagine what that would do for ourselves? Yeah. Like if we actually believe what we say, <laughs> if the Holy Spirit actually does what he says he does. Right. I, I mean, honestly, like <laughs> if we actually believe this, right? Right. And, I, and I'm not even saying we should do the two hours. Like, you know, I'm not even saying take away all your Netflix time. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, think if we actually gave the Bible, if we actually gave the catechism the same time as math class. Right. Or is Can you imagine there? that? I don't even know what that is. So, oh, it's a movie. <laughs> okay, you were, you said you were going to go watch it, and I was like, "Well, that must be a typo." So I'm just going to go with it. But no, I, I thought of you because uh, Vicar and I, <laughs> because when I think of you know enjoying a, a a stupid movie, who do I think of? I think of you. Yeah, I'm hoping this next guy will go watch stupid movies with you. <laughs> What's his name? Peter, Peter Wagner, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, if you're listening to this, Peter, go watch stupid movies. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, cocaine bear about a bear who uh, who uh, got addicted to cocaine because uh, um, uh, a plane crashed that was carrying, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Sugar. (laughs) Right. So, uh, so, so uh, where was I going with that, Berg? I have no idea. Where, where was like, I? This is, if I, we gave, well, oh, so my, yeah, my point was imagine if we gave some of the things that we're talking about equal time with cocaine bear. Exactly. I mean, you know, this is the thing, right? I mean, even with your catechumens, think about that. How many hours a week did you really get with them? One and a half, two? Yeah, if. <laughs> And you think about it, like, honestly, like, they're in school eight hours a day, right? Right. I, I just, you know, frankly, the Holy Spirit has so little means to work with. I mean, I'm surprised anyone's a Christian. <laughs> I mean, it's really right. a cause to rejoice, but also a cause, you know. Right. It's also a reason to be like, hey— you know, maybe we should do a little bit more with the, uh, you know, Bible or something. Because, you know, right. it just has its spirit and life and, you know. Do you know what that means? You know what this means, and... Berg? It means that you and I are going to have to do the TikTok thing so we can reach a youth. Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't think it's even so much the youth, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> we... You know, we might have to get the projectors out for the right. old people. <laughs> right. Man, that, uh, that thing, those, that, that, some of the, the social media stuff is like crack for ADHD. It is. And I wonder, too, though, if you spend too much time in that stuff, if that's what you're doing, where it's short bursts of stimulation, you know, until it moves on to the next thing. I wonder if that doesn't affect our concentration when it comes to things like sermons, you know? Right. Because there's only so much you can shorten up a sermon. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because... You know? Because, uh, 
you know, at, at times, rather than just going through explaining the text, you just kind of have to say, uh, this is what the text says, and this is how you apply it, without actually get, sometimes getting into the nuts of the bolts of the text. You know what I mean? Right. And then when do they actually meet with us, right? You know, it's like, okay, yeah, I was reading this the other day from Ephesians, and the word for confidence at the end of Ephesians, I think it's like 23 or whatever, it talks about, you know, it, the word there is confidence, but it's actually the word to be persuaded, right? Do we actually persuade people with the word of God and actually walk them through it? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how, that's how I view sermons. That's how I well, view that, a funeral sermon. Like, I'm my, my goal is to persuade the the listener at a funeral that the, this child of God really will rise again on the last day, a real bodily, and 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 I and I prove it from Scripture. Right, and, but that but that's for them. What about for you know for for that person? What about for them? Right, and that takes time. They need to be brought in. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes I wonder about the Gospel of John. Okay. You look at the Gospel of John, Jesus doesn't make things easy, right? Right. It's really complicated. Like, even though it's written in Greek that we dummies can understand, (laughs) I'm speaking to most pastors out there, and that means you should actually, you know, learn your Koine Greek better, right? Uh, His imagery is really weird. People don't know what he's talking about. And the only reason they know what he's talking about is if they stick with it. And dig and dig and dig. Anything good is something that is worked for, striven for. And that, that's I the just, beauty of John is the fact that it at the same time it has some of the clearest words. But some of the deepest thoughts, right. you know? And I just wonder too if you know, we put an easy button on everything. And especially in Easter, I mean, look at all of the readings. All of the readings are from the Gospel of John. You know, for the Gospel. Right. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's something that we should, uh, I don't know. And I wonder about that, you know. Sometimes I wonder if we've just, you know, in our quest to save souls, if we've just made things too, too easy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I don't I don't know. I'm just talking out loud here because it's uh you know, if you don't strive with it, do you actually internalize it? If it's not your problem, then does it really matter? Right. So, I I don't know. I mean, I'm just throwing some some Right. Thoughts I out I, there, I preached you know? not too long ago on some of this stuff where I basically said uh you know, when you're listening to God's word, it should be how how can will this word of God change me, change my mind about how I think? Uh, because uh, you know the sermon isn't supposed to be all confirmation bias. You know, I'm telling you, some of it is obviously when it comes to they know about Christ's death and resurrection, those type of things, but they should also be looking for. How does this address my incorrect thinking or my incorrect doing? Right. And and to realize, okay, I'm going to come into church thinking, yeah, 
I've been thinking wrong about certain things. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, and this is what got the prophets in trouble, right? Especially during the time of the Southern Kingdom right. when they were saying, oh, the temple, the temple, the temple. God will never forsake us. He promised. This is why this, well, is, this is why I mentioned the pride thing. Yeah. I mean, and that's why, uh, you know, and I think it is a big deal, right? The problem is, is I, I think our educational system is so cruddy that, uh, well, and that's one thing I talk about in this is, uh, what is a sermon and how do you properly listen to a sermon? Right? Yeah. The first thing, you know, well, I don't know. We can get into it some other time, I suppose. Do you uh, want to you want to do that for our next episode? I think that'd be great. I mean, because what are we at now? Fifty some minutes, right? right? Some of this will be edited out. I, I maybe for some lighthearted stuff. I would. I did actually look for some uh, news that bothers Berg. All right. So yeah, I mean, we'll definitely cover this maybe next time because I think that would be good. Um, you know. Man, I missed and you. Can, I missed you. Can I, I say that again? Yeah, I missed you too. I mean, this is great. <laughs> I, you listening? You you listen to my rantings and my ravings, so you know. I don't know if any of it makes sense. So, well, I, I listened li- to your ranting you know. and ravings, thinking, how can I change? <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's because you are an Israelite in whom there is no guile. All right, so. so. Uh, I've got a story here. I, I already mentioned uh, Cocaine Bear, right? The movie that you probably should see. I have to look it up now. I, I'm i compelled to. I, I mean, it, there is a little language. Vuker and I got in trouble for it a little bit because uh, we made the mistake of going to see Cocaine Bear at the local theater um, on senior night where the senior citizens get in for a discount and they were shocked Shocked to see a pastor and a vicar at Cocaine Bear, wondering what we were doing at that movie. But <laughs> well, what were they doing there as Christians? Ah, <laughs> uh, what hypocrites! I love it. So, uh, but I so um, a, a listener probably heard us talk about Cocaine Bear already. Maybe I don't know. Uh, sent uh, uh, this story. We should uh, have Peter play the intro for our news that bothered Berg. Peter, play the intro. There's fake news. There's real news. Then there's real news that Berg wishes was fake. It's time to hear news that bothers Berg. All right. So with that introduction, I have a story from sent by a listener. Uh, This is about a woman uh, in Arkansas who, you tell me if this bothers you or not, who uh, took a... took fawns into her home and then raised a deer with the intentions of training them to attack humans and she was taken into custody. At the time of the arrest, uh, I don't want to mention her name, she (laughs) was in possession of several grams of meth, four deer, and many stolen uh, electronics. Attention was drawn when she began giving meth to young deer that they and they were caught running rummaging through people's garbages and back porches. So she was trying to, uh, she was giving uh, meth to deer so that she could train them to attack um, hunters. Uh, 
You're speechless. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love it when I get to the point when you have no, no idea what to say. <laughs> I, there is a deranged genius to this. I wish I could train deer to attack my enemies. Yeah. I could, I mean, but I, I don't. Do. Ha- I could, but I don't have the dough. <laughs> I don't have the bucks. Nice. I like it. Boy, two dad jokes in in like two seconds. I love it. Um, yeah. I don't even. I don't even know what to do with that. I mean, this is where I, I kind of wish Vicar was here. Okay, Vicar, you have a member who. <laughs> They come into your office. I mean, first of all, meth is bad, I think, for any living creature. And I don't want to meet the creatures that it's not bad for. You know? (laughs) I mean, I can applaud her trying to train animals to defend stuff. I mean, we do that with dogs and... right. That sort of thing, but you know, holy buckets! Yeah, but it's not like deer can go to the dentist. No, no, they can't. <laughs> but who cares, right? I mean, if they're rummaging through people's porches and stuff, you know, just leave them a can of whatever, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, Bambi seeking revenge. I, I did find a couple other stories. You interested? Of course. <laughs> All right. Let, let me find them. Uh, I haven't been bothered in a long time, so, you know. Well, that, that first one, I think, uh, got you a little bit. Let me get my next one here. This actually came out Tuesday, so this is a fairly recent story. Okay. Uh, a Ouija board-like tool claiming to connect users to the Holy Spirit uh raises concerns. <laughs> uh yeah. <laughs> oh. I would Oh, I'd love to read you the rest of the story, but it's behind a paywall. Boo. Hey listeners, if you want us to read the rest of the story, please give us money at our Patreon and stuff. So so why why would uh, people try and use a Ouija board type thing? a Christianized Ouija board as though uh, uh, an evil spirit couldn't just say, oh yeah, that's me. Well, it's funny because I was looking on Facebook, just scrolling through because, you know, I'm as bad as everybody else and worse. Uh, But in their, uh, (laughs) in their advertisements, they were saying, oh, there's this, you know, this Ouija board. It only talks to good spirits. No demons allowed. (laughs) It's like, that's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> we promise. All right, I got well, one. And they obviously didn't listen to our uh, exegetical uh, awesomeness at the beginning of this episode. Right. So. All right, you want to hear my, my last one here, my next one here? Yeah. This, this was a, in, in, entitled Mammoth Meatballs. Okay. Uh, sold. All right. 
Last week, the Australian cultivated meat company unveiled the mammoth meatball as a part of a big marketing play. The meatball is constructed out of lab-grown sheep meat and featured featured a mammoth myoglobin gene. Myoglobin Ah! is a a protein in the muscle tissue of vertebrates. It helps give red meat its characteristic taste and color. Gaps in the gene were filled in using genetic data from the African element. Uh, elephant. So far, the jury's out on the flavor. So they grew meat in a lab using mammoth genes. What? what what's your thoughts on that? Um. Yeah, let's just screw with nature. That's always turned out great, hasn't it? <laughs> I mean, these things are dead for a reason. You you know what's funny is is what I find kind of ironic about this is the fact that. Um, people who grow lab meat in a lab do so because it's better for the environment than having a cow, right? People are so screwed up. And usually the people who who say, oh, yeah, we, it's bad for the environment, we're also against uh, GMOs, right? Right. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, okay, you grow this in an environment, in a, in a lab, right? Right. Think, think of all of the money and the carbon footprint that's in that lab to grow this stupid thing. You know? I mean, do you take that into account? No. You're just too afraid of cow farts. <laughs> so so you wouldn't eat this then, huh? No, I don't want to turn into a mutant. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, we keep screwing with things. Why? Why do we do that? You we can't more? even grow... Yeah, you want one more article? I, I do. Uh, all right, this is in, entitled Crying Plants. Scientists have recently uncovered the ultrasonic sounds of distressed plants drifting through the air. Researchers positioned two microphones by tomato and tobacco plants that were uh, varyingly cut, dehydrated, and well-maintained as controls. The researchers, researchers then used machine, learn, machine learning to identify the type of distress each plant was experienced with roughly 70% accuracy rate. The sounds are out of the range of hearing for most humans, though within range for small, hyperlocal critters like mice and moths. So plants cry. Yep. And the Bible says so. Creation is in bondage to decay and has been groaning in labor pains until now. Right? Mm-hmm. There you go. So... Yeah, I'm sure plants cry every time we come through because we're the reason. Yeah. We mess we messed up creation. <laughs> Think about that when you're cutting down your Christmas tree. Yeah. What did that Christmas tree do to you? Right. Nothing. Oh, Why don't you leg, think about my others? Leg, my leg. <laughs> It's even worse than that because it'd be like opening a vein and not allowing it to shut so you slowly bleed to death. <laughs> That's what the Christmas tree is like. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. it takes a long time for them to die, man. Yeah, it's kind of like when you you give your beloved a, a bouquet of flowers. I'm sure you do that off all the time, <laughs> right? You bring home flowers and you say, here, honey, watch these die slowly. Yeah, we bought some Easter lilies. Uh-huh. So they were so they were potted, so, you know. 
Okay. I felt a little bit better about myself. So on Easter then, if do the Easter lilies, they sing with you then? If they cry when you cut them? Well, you know, I hope so. Now, now the tobacco doesn't bother me, that crime. It's because, I mean, a good cigar is delicious. <laughs> I can't do cigars. I got to do pipes. Really? I do. I, I actually smoked a cigar when my wife was gone, like the night after she left. I was sick for two days. Really? Yeah. Oh, I have a cigar. I don't have it that often. Like, for some reason, I just will sleep the best I have, like, in a long time after a cigar. I wish I could, but I can't, so, and, you know. And uh, because this is coming out while I'm on vacation, truth be told, uh, I am probably, if you're listening to this in the evening, I am probably one of my favorite things to do, top five, I'll put my top five. I'm not gonna put my favorite. One of my <laughs> one of my favorite things to do is um, to to go into the ocean with my bathing suit on and a lit cigar, and just kind of relax in the ocean with my cigar, with the quiet waves, looking at the stars. Ah, oh. sounds magical. Because when I have a cigar, my wife makes me shower and put all my clothes in the laundry and brush my teeth before. I can get into bed. See if well, you, then, see if you if have you a cigar the you in the ocean. You got it. Yeah. All you have to all you have to do is brush your teeth. <laughs> so, uh, so, I not uh, only admire your love of the ocean and uh, all the things that accompany beach life, but I especially admire your efficiency. <laughs> so. All right, we will end it there. Uh, so if I you have any questions, like do stuff. Yeah, we, we don't get a lot of questions. Berg, make a plea for them to send questions. Confound us. So so send questions to our email thing, which I don't know. Feedback or, at clericalheirs.org. Or our Facebook page at something at something Facebook yep. dot Zuckerberg. Or tweet us, which sounds bro. terrible. And so, uh, and find us on <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> you could even send us a missive if you wanted to. Yes, you know, you know how much I would admire someone if uh, they sent us an actual piece of mail. It would be awesome. I almost want to send one to ourselves. Do you know what we should do? We should actually get our own Clerical Heirs P.O. box. <laughs> that would be awesome. I mean, Hampton is kind of depopulated now, isn't it? Oh, we're holding on. <laughs> so, I mean, there should be plenty of them. Yeah. We'll work on that. All right. <laughs> that, that is our episode. Uh, I'm Bullhagen. I'm Berg. And may your anti-homiletics... Have spirit fingers. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.